Okie dokie. Y'all doing okay? All right, so uh, just pray about how God would use you uh, to help uh, Alan and Steffi. Uh, they're good folks, good people. They're good people, they come from good people. So uh, we love them. Um, I'm gonna share with you some things today that are uh, pretty, pretty personal uh, for me. This is kind of, uh, I, I would say this is my, my message. If I, if I preach, uh, if I'm given a chance to preach anywhere in the world uh, and they say, do it, talk about whatever you wanna talk about, this is probably what I'm gonna talk about. And uh, so I'm gonna pray in a minute. Uh, first of all, I just wanna say that uh, there are things that God wants to do in you. Every one of you. There are things that God wants to do. There, there's a shaping that he wants. Uh, there are things that he wants to move out of you, things that he wants to break off of you, and then things that he wants to put in you. Uh, you'll remember, I, I told you guys, I think a couple years ago, Melissa and I went to, to Rome, and uh, we had a great time there. Uh, but we took a day, and we went to Florence. And we went to Florence to see the David, mainly. Uh, if, you, if you're in Florence, if you ever get a chance to go to Italy, you want to make a trip to, to Florence and you want to go see the David. Uh, this is an incredible, incredible statue uh, that Michelangelo did, um, but it, it's so lifelike and it's, the detail is, is so incredible and so amazing. And so we finished looking at the David and we got ready to leave and, and Melissa asked me, do you want me to take your picture in front of the David? And I said, no. Number one, did you notice that he's naked? Number two, did you notice he looks really good naked? And number three, did you notice that he's bigger than life size? And so the last thing I need is my picture made in front of someone who's bigger than life size and looks good naked. And, and as a man, you know, I mean, it's just crazy. But she, she thought it was a good idea. Um, but we didn't. I, I didn't I, we took pictures of the David, but not me standing by the David. Uh, but all that is to say, so when Michelangelo was asked, how do you do this? You know, I mean, this thing is so amazing. How do you do this? And this is, this is what he said. He said, I take a, a block of granite and I chip away everything that doesn't look like David. And so that's, that's what God is doing in you right now. And sometimes it hurts, right? I mean, if you've got the idea of a chisel, <laughs> chiseling away, sometimes it can be painful. Sometimes it can be frightening. Uh, but it's so good. It's so good. You know, it's like C.S. Lewis said, you know, in the Chronicles of Narnia, is he safe? No. But he's good. And so, Sometimes it, seem, it will seem frightening and sometimes it will be difficult. Sometimes it, it will hurt. Uh, but trust me, what God is doing in you, what he is, uh, the way that he is shaping you is so good and so purposeful. So don't fight him. Don't resist him. Okay? All right. Let's pray and then we'll, we'll go from there. Uh, Lord, I thank you for uh, the way that you work in us. Uh, and I thank you that really your desire is not just to work in us, but... Uh, you work in us so that you can work through us. Uh, you, you want to use us, even though you don't have to. You don't even need us, really. But you have, 
you have invited us into partnership with you. It's such a, a generous thing for you to do, such a kind thing for you to do, uh, to allow us to partner with you. And so we, we wanna say thank you to that. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'll start with a poem, because that's kind of what preachers do sometimes. Uh, there was a very cautious man who never laughed or played. He never risked, he never tried, he never sang or prayed. And when he one day passed away, his insurance was denied. For since he never really lived, they claimed he never really died. I want to read from Luke uh, chapter 3, beginning at verse 2. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, uh, the word of God came to John, son, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth. And all people will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father for I tell you out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then, the crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. Anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. And John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John ex exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. Uh, Lord, again, I pray. Uh, I pray that you would speak today. We, we don't need to hear from me. No one needs to hear from me, but we all need to hear from you. And so if you have a word that you can speak uh, through me, I pray that you would do that today. If, if not, 
just speak in spite of me. But allow us, God, to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, this, this is a message that, that I have probably preached more than any other message uh, that I've ever preached. And, I, and I, I don't even know for sure if I've preached it here, uh, but I've preached it literally all over the world in, in places uh, that I've been invited to go. There's an old saying that there are three types of people. There are those who watch things happen, those who make things happen, and those who wonder just what just happened. And uh, I, we don't want to be that third person. We don't want to be that person that just, you know, scratching your head and wondering what happened. Uh, I, I believe in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, I believe that there are wave makers, wave riders, wave watchers, wave riders, and wave makers. Wave watchers, wave riders, and wave makers. My fear is that too many of our churches are made up mainly of, of wave watchers. Uh, wave watchers are, are an interesting lot. They, they usually have an opinion about just about anything, but they rarely, if ever, actually get in the water. They watch the water, they watch the waves, they love to, to watch the waves to see what they're going to do, to see if they're good enough, to see if they do things the right way. There was a time when Peter was actually a wave watcher. He was. Uh, the Bible in Luke says that when Jesus was arrested, that Peter followed at a distance. That's, that's what a wave watcher does. A wave watcher follows at a distance because they want to see what's going on, but not necessarily be involved in what's going on. Uh, the post of the wave watcher is to follow at a distance. They watch what others are doing to make sure that they don't break any rules or, or get out of order. Uh, the problem with that is look at the life of Jesus. Jesus talked to women in public. It was against the rules. Jesus touched lepers. It was against the rules. Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners. It was against the rules. And so if your, your task or your post in life is to make sure no one breaks the rules, you're gonna have trouble with Jesus. You're gonna have problems with him. Uh, wave watchers, uh, quite, quite frankly, are a pain in the butt. They are. Uh, they're just a pain. Uh, wave riders, on the other hand, I, I believe are incredible. Uh, I, love, I love wave riders. Uh, they do a great deal for the kingdom of God and they have a hunger for God and a sense of adventure that calls them to go for it. Uh, wave riders, they love to get in the water. They love to go for it. Uh, many of you in this room are wave riders. You are, you, you love to go for it with God. You love to risk, you love to take chances, you love to do whatever it takes to advance the kingdom of God. Uh, I love hanging around and being around people who are willing to risk riding the wave. Uh, Alan, I've been to Brazil one time. I've been to Brazil one time and, and uh, we went, Melissa and I uh, took a group of college students uh, to Brazil on a mission trip. And we got there a day early. Our mission was supposed to start on Sunday. We would be in 10 churches in seven days. But we got there on Saturday. We had Saturday free. We could do whatever we wanted. Missionary said, you can stay here at the mission. You can rest, you can take a nap, or you can go to the beach. And we were with 20 college students. So we went to the beach. That's just, you know, that's what they do. And so we loaded our bus, we went to the beach. 
And I remember as we pulled up in front of the beach and I looked at these waves. I had never seen waves like this before. In Brazil, I don't know if it's like this all the time, but on that particular day, these waves were ginormous. And we're standing there on the beach looking at these waves and a student comes up to me, his name was Dallas. And Dallas walks up to me and he looks at me and he says, what do you think? I said, what do you mean? And he said, should we ride those waves? And I said, of course we should. And so we made our way, we're swimming against the, the waves, trying to get out to the first sandbar. And we make it out to the first sandbar and we're standing there on this sandbar ready to body surf these waves. Now, I knew how to body surf. Y'all, I, I, I consider myself an expert body surfer. I've been to Panama City. I knew how to body surf. And so we stand on this wave, on this sandbar, and we wait. And when the wave comes, I, my, I had in my mind, I had a picture in my mind of what this would look like. I'm going to dive perfectly with the wave. I'm going to catch the wave. I'm going to ride the wave into the beach. I'm probably going to ride this wave so perfectly, my hair won't even get wet. I will just coast in on top of this wave. And when I get to the beach, there'll be a crowd. There'll be a crowd there, they'll be clapping, they'll probably, probably be chanting my name because they will never have seen anyone body surf a wave like this. And so the wave hit, I launched perfectly in, with the wave and the next thing I thought was, that must, this must be what it feels like to be inside a washing machine. I mean, it was unbelievable. I'm twisting and turning and I'm bouncing off the floor of the ocean and sand is going in my mouth and I don't know which way is up and I, I can't figure out how to get out of the water. And I'm losing my breath and it dawns on me, you're about to die. You're going to die, you're in a foreign country, you're on a mission trip, but the mission hasn't actually started, so you're not, you're not gonna be a martyr. You're, you're just gonna be... You're just going to be this college pastor who drowned in Brazil. <laughs> and it was at that point that I said, I'm just going to have to give up and let the wave be in charge and stop fighting and just completely surrender to the wave. And so I did. And when I surrendered to the wave, it took me to the beach and it spit me out. And there I was. I'm just laying there on the beach trying to get my breath back and Melissa walks up and she's smiling. You know, she's smiling. She has no idea how close she came to being a, a widow. And she looks at me and she says, baby, did you get water up your nose? And I said, sweetie, I, I think I have small fish <laughs> up my nose. But the lesson that I learned that day was the lesson of the wave. If you're going to ride the wave, let the wave be in charge. Surrender to the wave. The wave rider's only problem. And, and again, this room is full of wave riders, and I, I love wave riders. The wave riders' only problem is the shortage in the world of wave makers. Wave makers. Without wave makers, the wave rider 
is often left to stand around looking and watching with no sense of direction. There's a longing, there's a desire, there's a hope, there's a, a strong calling to make a difference. But sometimes they just don't know how or when or where. And I believe the world, and in particular, the generation coming in behind us, I believe that they're full of wave riders. I believe the next generation is, is filled with wave riders, men and women who long to give themselves to something significant. They're looking for a wave that's worth riding. And I believe that God is raising up in this body, in this this group of people, I believe that God is, is raising up uh, wave makers. I believe in this room there are wave makers, men and women who were born, who were placed on this earth to make waves that the next generation can ride. You know, here's the secret of the wave. Uh, it starts on the ocean floor. You see, the secret of the wave maker is not what you see because the wave starts deep. And so if you want to be a wave maker, you have to be willing to go deep. You have to be willing to go deep. You have to go deeper than is required. You have to go deeper than is expected. You have to even be willing to go deeper than you ever dreamed was possible for you. That is the call of the wave maker. It means first that you go deep with God so that you can go deep with people. It means, going, it means giving all of yourself to God and more of yourself to others than you ever thought you could. The depth of the wave maker is a heart depth. It's a heart depth that's grounded and rooted in an intimacy with God. The thing that made Paul uh, a wave maker was not his pedigree. It wasn't his training. It wasn't his wisdom. It wasn't his understanding. It wasn't the fact that he was a Pharisee. It wasn't the home that he was raised in. All of those things were important. And all those things helped to shape who he was. But the thing that made Paul a wave maker was Philippians 3.10. Philippians 3.10 says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Who wants that? Who wants to be identified with the suffering of Jesus? The wave maker. The seed of the wave maker begins with a deep desire to know him. To know him as fully, as intimately, and as completely as he can be known. Wave makers tend to be raised up in a sea of dissatisfaction. Dissatisfaction. John the Baptist lived in a Kairos time. God was preparing the earth for the revelation of his son. And, he, and he, he sent John to prepare the way. People weren't ready. They weren't ready for the claims that John was making. They certainly weren't ready yet for the claims that Jesus would make. And, and the Lord called John to be the one who would prepare 
who would call the people into a deeper place so that when the Messiah came, they would be more ready. And the message of John was simply repent. Go in a different direction. Turn around, get ready, something's coming. God uses wave makers because people generally are hungry for more than the religious establishment is willing to offer. Some of you know that. You, you resonate with that because that's been your life. You've sat in, in chairs or pews like this and you've wondered, where's the rest? There has to be more because you've only been given a taste. Uh, the call of the wave maker is a call that, that's deep. It's not a surface, casual call. It's a deep, intimate, costly call. Paul was a wave maker who was not satisfied with Christianity that wasn't extended to the Gentiles. Martin Luther was a wave maker who was dissatisfied with Catholicism and, and works-based salvation. John Wesley was a wave maker who was dissatisfied with formal religion. John Wimber was a wave maker. You don't know who John Wimber? John Wimber was the founder of, of the Vineyard Church. And he was also a rock and roll musician. And back in the 70s, during the Jesus freak days when uh, hippies were coming to the Lord, John Wimber, this musician, came to Jesus. And he connected with a friend who took him to church shortly after he had become a believer. And he'd been reading. He's a brand new Christian. He's been reading in the book of Acts. And he's reading about how God raises people from the dead and he heals the sick and he casts out demons. And John Wimber goes to church with his friend. And he's so excited because he's read in Acts. He knows what the church is supposed to look like. And so he goes with his friend to this church and, and they sing a couple of songs and then they sit down and some guy gets up and talks and then they say a prayer and then it's over. And Wimber goes over to his friend and he says, uh, when are we gonna do the stuff? And his friend says, What's, what, what do you mean, what stuff? And he said, well, you know, I've been reading in Acts and, you know, they, they cast out demons and they heal the sick and they raise the dead. When are we going to do that stuff? And the man said, well, we don't do that anymore. And Wimber said, well, what do we do? And, and the man said, well, we just did it. And Wimber looked at his friend and he said, you mean I gave up drugs for that? <laughs> God is calling you to a deeper place. And there will be some who will tell you not to go. There, there are always those. There are always those who want to steal dreams. Y'all know that Walt Disney got fired from a job because they said he wasn't creative enough? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kansas City Star, they said he lacked Im imagination and that he didn't have any good ideas. There was the, the manager of the Grand Ole Opry told Elvis that he was better off driving trucks, that he had no future in music. 
Uh, Einstein didn't speak until he was four, he didn't read until he was seven, and he was expelled from school. And, and he turned out okay. <laughs> Anybody know how many paintings Van Gogh sold in his lifetime? One. One. Do you know that Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team? You know what's more shocking than that? Tom Tanner was cut from his eighth grade basketball team. <laughs> and the guys out there on Saturday and Sunday afternoons are paying for it dearly. Yeah. Wave makers are people who can look into a generation and see things. Wave makers are people who can see what God is doing. They have eyes to see the culture. They have eyes to see the lay of the land. They can hear the voice of God. They can even hear the heartbeat of God. Wave makers are people who are willing to embrace what God is doing no matter the cost. Do you know what wave makers are afraid of? Wave makers are not afraid of obedience. There's only one thing that frightens the wave maker. Disobedience. The thing that frightens the wave maker is, is disobeying God. Not going in. Not going for it. Not risking. Not believing. Wave makers are people who can spread and impart what God is doing to others. They have a God-given ability to call others into the wave, the wave of what God is doing. They don't care who gets the credit. They, don't, they only care about the kingdom. It was the wave maker in John that caused him to say when, when the people came and said, People are leaving you and going to follow Jesus. You know, John had the, one of the biggest churches in town before Jesus came. And, you know, his, his administrative board called a meeting because they had some empty seats. And they're like, everybody's going to follow Jesus. What are we going to do? And John said... I have to decrease so he can increase. The heart of the wave maker is the increase of the kingdom. Paul said to Timothy, fan the flame, fan the flame, pray for the increase. You can do this. You can do more than I did. You can go further than I've gone. We've planted a few churches. Uh, the first church that we planted, Stonebridge, the pastor's David Eldridge. And when David was a, college, a student at Georgia, um, when he graduated from Georgia, he wrote me a letter. He's headed off to seminary. I've been with David. I was his youth pastor. I discipled David from seventh grade through 10th grade. And then we left and moved to Athens. And a couple of years later, when he graduated from high school, he came to, to Athens. And so I had him for four more years. Uh, so I spent a lot of time, invested a lot of myself 
into David. When he got ready to go off to seminary, he wrote me a letter. I still have the letter. I've memorized the last paragraph. The last paragraph, he said this. I pray that my ministry will far exceed yours. So that the time you spent in me would not have been spent in vain. Think about it this way. You see, the the heart of the wave maker is not that they would increase, but that those they pour into would increase. I've heard it said, if I could only be half the man my father was. Here's the problem with being half the man your father was. Your son may be half the man you are. And then his son may be half the man he is. And pretty soon, there's not much of a man left. And so our prayer is not that our children would be half. Our prayer is that our children would be twice. That's why when Elijah is about to go, and he looks back over his shoulder and he says to Elisha, what what do you want? And Elisha says, I want a double portion. I want twice. Half is not enough. I want twice of you. Because the call of the wave maker is that the next generation would go farther, do more, be better. Not that we would control them, not that we would push them down, but that we would raise them up and that they would be so high that no one would notice us. Anyone who will can make waves. Controllers bring fear. Wave makers bring freedom. Wave makers are catalysts. God uses them to stir things in others. Every wave maker has ridden the wave of another. That's how God joins the generations. We plant churches in hopes that every one of them would exceed us. If they don't, if if none of them goes further and does more, then I I, I fear we would not have done what God put us here to do. He put us here to bring increase, not through addition, but through multiplication. To advance what he's doing in us, through us, in others, and to continue. You may not be a Martin Luther. You may not be a Martin Luther. You may not be a John Wesley. But anyone who will can make waves. Anyone who's willing to go deep into the heart of God can be a wave maker. You may not ever stand in front of a group this size. You may stand in front of groups much bigger than this. You may stand in front of a group that all share your last name and live in your house. And you can make waves for them. Everyone, everyone can make waves if you're willing
if you're willing to say how far rather than that's far enough. How far can we go? William Wallace said, every man dies, not every man truly lives. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it at its absolute highest level. We got a choice. It's the same choice we had 20 years ago. And it will always be our choice. We can be a nice, safe, comfortable little church. Or we can be a house full of wave makers who raise up and send and raise up and send and raise up and send and raise up and send. And if we do that, one of the ways we'll see it is that every time we serve communion, we'll feel like we're serving strangers. Because we will have raised up and sent and raised up and sent and raised up and sent. I say this is my life message because this is my life message. I didn't come here to build something. I came here to launch something. Now let's pray. Lord, I thank you that the evidence of what you're doing in these people is all around us. It's all over Cobb County and beyond. It's in India, it's in Scotland, it's in Spain, it's in Costa Rica. It's, it's, it's all over the world. Don't stop. And don't let us. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite our teams. I know it's, it's a little late, but I'm going to invite our teams to come because I really want people to have a chance to be prayed for today. Um, I'm not going, I, I, I don't even know <laughs> what to tell you. Uh, I would just say, listen to God, do what he says. Maybe some of you that are being called today, maybe God's even calling you to Spain today, who knows? Uh, but he's calling you to something. If you'll listen, he's calling you to something. So just give him a chance to speak, okay? Give him a chance. If you just have to sit there quietly for a few minutes, do it. He's calling you to something today. It could be just you know, do something different today or tomorrow than you did yesterday. Okay? Listen to what he says. Listen to his voice. Do what he says. Now let's pray. Holy Spirit, we love the way you work. We love the way you move. And we invite you to have your way here 
There is so much left to do. So much more that you wanna do through these people, through this place. We pray you would just take the cap off. Pop the cap off. Pop the cap off, Lord. And let the river flow. In Jesus' name, amen.